welcome Hello to there. today's show. Right, today is a show on curses, and we're going to be joined by Sam, who is one half of the Not Alone podcast, so I'm sure you'll enjoy that, and if you haven't already, go check out Not Alone, especially if you listen to the show and like it. Then you know. Just a quick uh, little bit of housekeeping before we crack on, yep. just a couple of reviews to mention. Again, we really need your reviews. Um, you know, we got into the charts on iTunes this week, so that's you know a big bonus for us. And thank Fantastic you, achievement, thank mate. you to everybody that listens yeah. and downloads and subscribes. Because, you know, that helps us for that. But if you can leave a review, that helps as well. Um, one uh, in England, we've got a review from uh, Ebo Ian sixty one. Yeah, uh, you know, five stars, great. He says he loves the topics while he's driving home. Spot on. And then uh, we got one in America from Sam Fredrickson. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is from Not Alone. Not Alone. But um, so, you know, thank you very much for that. Cheers, Sam. Um, and if you get a chance, I've been talking to a guy on Twitter called Mike Brown, who runs the Pleasing Terrors podcast. That's and, it. Uh, if you, um, you know, get a chance if you, to check it out, and you might like it. So, you know, I think it's pretty good. So give that one a listen to if you haven't already heard it before. Right, on with today's show then. Yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, well, crack well, on. First of all, I want to get the uh, definition of a curse. Yeah, really that'd be means. a good place to start. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, I picked up, it's called a uh, it's a, a solemn utterance intended to invoke a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment on someone or something. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, yeah. so magic. Magic, yeah. Well, <laughs> everything, everything's magic anyway. Everything's energy. Physical, yeah. 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 So, so, uh, so curses range from what? So, f- like from well, someone can put a curse an evil eye on you. Yeah. You know, they'll, so, it, like it's, a hex. It's an, I think it all comes down to intent. Yeah. You know, mm. you intend to do this. You're going to intend, and it's really mind. You know, you, you someone takes something from you. Ah, uh, you know, I, I hope it fucking breaks your leg or something. Yeah, or yeah, I hope yeah. it does this to you. You know, if you take an object or something. So that obviously that that person's actually put something, not actually onto the the object, but onto you. Mm. You know, I think sometimes, you know, of the object, every time you, I mean, I've got some, uh, I've been reading quite a bit of this and, uh, you know, uh, but I think it's actually for intent, uh, a, a, a magic, a, a, what do you call it, a summoning of magic, mm. you know, so. So, I mean, like say the range from cases on uh, tombs to voodoo dolls. To, anything. Yeah. You so say it's to inflict harm or punishment to someone or something. Mm. So they're not good. Well, no. You don't give them out for Christmas, no? No, not these, no. Go on, these, these don't come out in Give the, us a story, then. Right. Uh, well, <laughs> I've got my three... I've, I've got my three... Uh, my three favourite ones. Uh, well, obviously, they're not very nice, but the ones I picked up. Uh, the first one was the, the Kennedys. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this is quite interesting. Uh, the Kennedy case was set off with President Kennedy being assassinated in 1963. Uh, but that set off a brutal domino effect that followed. Robert Kennedy was assassinated five years later in 68. Uh, Senator Kennedy survived a plane crash, but later drove off a bridge that killed Mary Jo Kopchin. I hope I got that name right. I think he would have learned his lesson, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Survive a great plane yeah. crash and drive off a bridge. <laughs> yeah, but thus, thus ended his presidential dreams. Uh, Robert Kennedy's son... Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Kennedy's son died of a drug overdose. Uh, his other son died in a skiing accident. Uh, JFK mm. Jr. died in a plane crash, along with his wife and her sister. Mm. And most recently, Mary Kennedy, the estranged wife of uh, 
JK, a junior, who hanged herself. Oh dear. Oh man. So this is kind of like, bump, bump, bump. Mm. So someone's put a kind of a curse on But is it a curse or is it because they know too much? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, the next one I've got is, again, you, you know, you've got to think about, I don't know about this. One of the, uh, one of the better horror flicks out there, uh, the Poltergeist case was pretty creepy. No, yeah. the, the film, the Poltergeist. Yeah, the best. Horror yeah. Horror, yeah. Four cast members of the horror franchise, uh, died in the six years between the first and the third film. So obviously that's a little girl as well, that she yeah, died as well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so apparently the, 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 uh, the, the, the props that was used in the various films, uh, they was becoming related to a kind of certain curse. Mm. Uh, so in case you are wondering how legit the film was, um, so obviously there may be some props in here that was used. Or maybe again, a, yeah, you find, again, you find these, uh, you know, curses can, not just curses, but ghosts can be attached to a object rather than a, <laughs> you know, I mean, they can attach themselves to people as well. If, you know, that kind of shit. Um, this is my favourite. Because I was a Superman nut in the seventies, okay. Mm. I love the Superman mm. movies, especially Christopher Reeve. So when I came across this, you in your underpants. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Not remember anyway. Uh, I had all, I had all the, you know, I, I watched the film about twenty times. You know what you understand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, this is the Superman curse. It says perhaps one of the most famous curses of the lot. The, this curse began because the original comic book creators of Superman cursed their own superhero after they were denied their rights and money to the character. Mm. So they were pissed mm. off, basically. Yeah, pissed well, off. Sure. Uh, right, the uh, the Superman curse remains one of the most infamous curses of modern times. Right, George Reeves, he committed suicide. Christopher Reeve became paralysed after falling from his horse. Mm. Diana Reeve, uh, that, that's Christopher's wife, and she was also a non-smoker, she died of lung cancer at the age of 44. Mm. That's, that's weird um, shit. That's bad, yeah. Lee Quigley died in 19, 1991 at the age of 14 due to solvent abuse. And Margot Kidder, which she played Lois Lane, okay. suffered from uh, bipolar disorder. Now the book says here, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster were abused by DC Comics. Now the latest Superman, which is Henry, Henry Cavill, seems to have broken this jinx. At an opportune moment to say... Touch wood. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, Let's. Um, so, are we saying these are cases? Are these just coincidences? coincidences? But then, are they? Say there's no such thing as a coincidence. No, only that? by design. Yeah. Um, so let's see. But it's what, pretty let's, strange. Um, these. Let's uh, let's go to Sam and let's see what um, what you've dug up. I mean, what do you make of them first, Sam? I mean, yeah, yeah. If I mean. It's hard to say, you know, when you look at, like, the Kennedys, if you're going to be, some of them are, like, if you're going to be in the public eye, if you're going to be the president, brother of the president, married to the president, you know, things are going to happen. You're putting yourself in danger in a way. But, like, you know, the odds of getting in a plane crash are, like, freaking astronomical. I always have to tell myself every time I'm on a plane. Like, <laughs> yeah, <much> yeah. <laughs> I crap myself as well every time. I hate them. I hate flying. Yeah. Yeah, so for that to happen, him to walk away fine, and then Drive and then the another just bizarre thing. That's the kind of stuff where, and I'll get into it here on King Tut, um, but there's definitely stuff that's like, ah, well, that's probably just not necessarily a coincidence. It could be part of another big overall plan or anything or, you know, mm. big overall um, machination. 
but you know, there's, there's certain things that you just can't deny. Um, same thing with Superman. I knew, I knew about George Reeves, mm. uh, obviously, but I didn't know anything about the, uh, like the wife or, or anything else from there. So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, but, it's, it's like, I suppose, you know, like when you, you just mentioned there about these families in the public eye, I guess like there's plenty of families that probably have these tragedies, you know, li- you know, you know, through their history, but because they're not in the public eye mm. per se, we don't necessarily hear about them. So, you know, yeah, there's, there's that, there's that an, uh, angle of it as well. So go on then, let's get to this yeah. Egyptian shit then. Yeah, because this, um, this is this is the home of the curse, isn't it? Right. If you want, yeah, a, if you want a curse, go to go to Egypt. Well, it, it all, it, that's where all the stuff comes from. Egypt, you know yeah. what I mean? The pharaohs and they, they, you know, you know the curses. And, yeah, you know. when I when I get into my curse a bit later, that's uh, an Egypt one as well. Mm. So, yeah, this is the the OG. This is like the the birthplace of the modern heebie-jeebie phenomena. I would say. Um, and before I, before I started researching this, I was like, curses aren't real. Like, there's no such thing as a curse. That's ridiculous. And then I researched this. I'm like, oh shit, curses, <laughs> yeah. curses very real. So yeah, like everybody knows about, everybody knows about King Tut at this point. Um, and the reason that they know about him is that his tomb, which was, um, discovered by Howard, a gentleman yeah. named Howard Carter, yeah. uh, Ooh. backed by a, uh, Lord Carnarvon, the fifth Earl of Carnarvon, it was the most well-preserved um, archaeological dig of all time, especially up till then. And, um, you know, you do, you have this occult uh, occult status with ancient Egypt and, and the fact that we know that they had court magicians and, and used black magic and all of that. Mm. And it definitely plays into the psychology of the whole thing. And in fact, when they were excavating the local workers, like they, they would go to the local workers and just drill it into them. Like there is no curse. There is no curse. And it's a case of like me thinks the lady doth protest too much because they were making it mm. extremely clear that there wasn't a curse. But according to some, the weird stuff began. Uh, even during that excavation, uh, even before, you know, the typical, uh, start of the curse is the first victim, Lord Carnarvon. But, um, during the dig itself, there were reports, I think it was somewhere between four and six different individuals years later, all confirmed that their, basically their fathers had told them the same story, unro- unconnected to each other, apart from the dig of Howard Carter giving uh, taking this stone tablet essentially, and oh, yeah. he broke it into pieces. Oh, dear. And he told, yeah, he he gave one piece to each of them and told them, okay, go bury that in the desert. And they said, why? And he said, well, it's a it's a health risk. And it's like, uh, well, okay, if it's a if it's a health risk, like, why do you want us to bury it in the dead of night? And he's like, ah, I just don't want anybody to think there's a curse. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> you're not doing your best to, to stop that there. And then apparently they go out, they do that, they dig it, put it away. Apparently later that evening, uh, they hear in the, in the tent between Lord Carnarvon and Howard Carter, they hear them discuss the curse and the stone tablet and all of that. So it's, uh, it started off a little bit, a little bit strange. Like I said earlier, the first, um, <clears throat> the first 
typical victim of the curse is Lord Carnarvon himself, the bankroll uh, for the entire ex- expedition. He fell ill. Uh, it was said that he had gotten a mosquito bite on his cheek. While shaving, he cut it with a, a dirty razor and died of blood poisoning. Um, that in and of itself, not super strange. The weird thing that happened is, according to, to some sources, the moment he died, there was a blackout in Cairo. And thousands of miles away, uh, back home on his estate in Britain, he had this this three-legged dog. She let out a howl, and she just dropped dead right then and there. And that that pretty much sealed the curse deal for the public. I mean, people started talking about it. It was front page news. Like, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was one of the most outspoken, saying that Carnarvon was a fool to, like, neglect the curse and to, to even go in this in the first place. A, a full-fledged true believer. Um, but because Carnarvon died... And uh, they were running out of money. Carter, the lead archaeologist, had to find somebody else to bankroll it. So he started bringing in other wealthy patrons, one of whom was a, a financier named George J. Gould. Within uh, weeks of Carnarvon dying, Gould comes to the tomb. He's totally fine. A few days later, he comes out of nowhere with a fever and dies. He also, uh, one interesting thing about him is that right before his death, he saw the jackal-headed god Anubis uh, kind of standing by him, or some say sitting on his chest, like your typical sleep paralysis hag rider kind of thing. But um, it was sitting on his chest, drawing the breath out of him. And Anubis is the, the guardian of the dead, yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah. Anubis, yeah. Uh, other, other patrons, uh, including there was one, a prince named... Ali Kamal Famae Bey. I'm sorry if I That's slaughtered that. easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, you know you're cursed if you say his name wrong. <laughs> oh, no. Ah. Well, to be fair, I'm pretty sure I said it wrong when we were recording our episode on <laughs> yeah. it. So. Um, and then there was a South African mer- millionaire by the name Wolf Joel. They were both murdered. Um, the prince was just assassinated in the street. I don't know how the millionaire died. Um, the other interesting thing about King Tut is there's an element of a family curse as well, uh, because Carnarvon's brother, who was a British MP, his name was Aubrey Herbert. And when he entered the tomb, he said, like, he, he just felt the need to say something dreadful is going to happen to our family. Uh, and then, yeah, his brother died or his half brother died. And then by the end of the year, he was dead too. Um, and it really just kind of ravaged it. And there's a lot of different different stories of people just straight up dying, which we explored in our uh, in our King Todd episode. And Jason made the point that you know what, in like in old tombs and stuff, there's mold, and in you know mold's gonna kill people and all that. So there's actually, and you know that's a solid point, but there's. A lot more to it than just well, this person. Yeah, I was going to say. Stuff. I mean, that don't explain the people dying back in England. You know, that never had no, uh, you know, no 
So it never actually went to the location. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the, the mold or the bacteria, yeah. you know, that, that can explain a lot. Um, you know, cause even the paint on the wall, that, that, uh, you know, cause obviously that was made with natural stuff and that, that obviously yeah. created bacteria and stuff. So I can understand that. But then how do you explain the people, you know, that are not at the location dying? Right. Mm. Right. Well, and there are two specific cases here, uh, that I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna talk about here that, just defy all explanation in my humble opinion. Uh, and, and, and physically in a more scientific stent sense, physically can't be linked to mold or, or decay or anything like that. But, um, yeah, so they, the, the curse just runs through. It actually ends up killing Carnarvon's other half brother as well. So just pretty much all of the male line of that family has been killed by this curse. Uh, and the interesting thing is Carter himself, who vehemently denied it all his life, it said that in his last, uh, his last moments, he experienced a very similar thing, um, as one of the earlier victims where he, he was screaming basically. The, the story is that he died peacefully in the home. The, the sort of inside sto- story that's been told by people who were there is that he was screaming and like fighting because he was, engaged in his mind at least in a battle with Anubis who was who was physically pulling the breath from his lungs so that in and of itself is strange but like I said I've got these other these two other accounts um the first one comes from 1966 was actually 44 years after the tomb was opened and it's the story of a Muhammad Ibrahim he was Egypt's uh, director of antiquities, and he was under pressure to release a collection of artifacts that had been taken from the tomb to be displayed in Paris that year. And every time they talked to him about it, tried to get him to sign the paperwork, he's uh, he's just making excuses and saying this and that and the other. He just won't sign it. And finally, they pull him in, like the board or whoever he would answer to, pulls him in and sits him down and says... Like, what the hell's going on here, man? Like, just sign the frickin' papers. Let's get these these artifacts out there in the world. And at that point, he kind of has a little bit of a breakdown, and he tells them, he admits to them, that the reason he's been skirting around this for weeks and months is because he's been having dreams. Ever since this proposal came up to send some of the artifacts out of Egypt, he's been having dreams that if he does this, he will die uh, a grisly sudden but painful death Mm. and it just got to him his psyche just just got too psyched out and um, they finally say go on i was just gonna say uh do we know what he was seeing in these dreams you know who he doesn't he doesn't say specifically Mm. not that i find at least yeah Mm. i'd love to know but let's just uh, say let's just say an uber son yeah, I would say, like, well, yeah, not even kidding. I would say probably. Yeah, I would say, yeah. Well, yeah. Go on. Um, so they're, they're sitting there and they essentially say, dude, it's up to you. You either, you sign the paper or you lose your job. That's what it comes down to at this point. Mm. And I'm sure that they talk to, talk him down and say, you know, you're being ridiculous, that you know, there's no curse and all of this and that. And finally he takes a breath, he signs the paper, and then minutes later, He's lying dead in the streets, right outside of the building. He was Ooh. hit by a vehicle, which, by all accounts, from witnesses who were there, the police, you know, are saying, what did it look like? Where did it come from? Where was it going? Everyone's like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. For, for all we could tell, 
There were no cars on the road. This car was suddenly there, hit him, and then disappeared without anybody getting an eye on it. And um, to me, of all the times for there, not just a normal car accident, but a, a car accident by, like, a phantom car, that's yeah, just, yeah. that's beyond the realm of, like, oh, well, it's just mold, obviously. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's, you know, highly unusual, isn't it? And again, you know... I think obviously this, uh, the dreams bothered this guy, did it? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, but if he didn't give a shit, yeah, so yeah. it'd be the same. If you had a belief system where you thought, nah, don't exist, don't exist, won't hurt me, won't well, this is me. The, this is one this of the problems with cases that can get... It becomes the beholder, mm. you know, the person who, who believes this case, he can actually uh, perpetuate the the uh, his own decline, if you like. Yeah. If yeah, there's yeah. cases of that, haven't there? So. If you well, think, you know, it's... It's but, like, have you guys heard of um, the Aboriginal, Australian Aboriginal belief in pointing the bone? Yeah. This is, yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly what it makes me think of. The fact that all these these tribesmen would do is point a bone at someone and then mm. they die. Yeah. And in modern day... This was, modern the, day, this was the Aboriginal sh- shaman who mm, used yeah. to... You know, if yeah. someone pissed him off, he used to point a sliver of bone at you and say, ah, you're cursed, mm. and then they'd say, oh, yeah. shit. But then his family would disown him, wouldn't they, basically? And then, um, yeah. because because you've got the the hex or the curse yeah. on you, it, it, basically this guy became an outsider, and that's what normally would do these people away, because they just lose all their mm. ability to uh, feed themselves and all the rest of it, so... Yeah, and there's an element of of the psychological aspect of because they had seen this happen before, I don't know how it was for the first person, yeah. happened, but because they'd seen people die from it before, they believed they were going to die. And in the end, that's what killed them. Whether it's just that they laid down and said, why bother, yeah. you know, finding yeah. food or whether it just ate away at them. But it is, it's that power of belief definitely has a big part to play in it. Um, but even then, like this last one, I still have to like this day. I still have no explanation for. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into that here really quick, and then I'll be done with my section. <laughs> um, so the successor now to that Dr. Ibrahim was a man named Gamal Marez, and he was a vocal opponent of the curse. He just disrespected it, threw derision at it. In 1972, he's help helping to load an artifact or load artifacts onto the plane headed for England. Uh, for a display, as he's loading the cargo, he himself dies of a, of a massive brain hemorrhage that came from nowhere. He had been totally healthy before this. However, he was quoted as saying that all deaths linked to the curse were purely coincidental. Mm. And to me, that seems like a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You're asking for it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the next thing that, that occurs is literally it's impossible. It's impossible. Uh, but it happened. We have records of it happening. So it's like the if the curse we take it to be a sentient thing, which I don't know if I do, mm. but it's like it it heard that. And so what happened next is there's one of the flight sergeants on the plane. His name's Rick Laurie. Every year, or sorry, no, Rick Laurie. My bad. Rick Laurie died of a heart attack. He was a flight sergeant on there, um, but he just died of a heart of a heart attack, which could be a coincidence. However, there's another, there's a flight engineer, uh, a man named Ken Parkinson, who literally every year um, at that time on that day, you know, I don't know the exact time. Let's say it was 3 p.m. on July 2nd. 
every year at 3 p.m. on July 2nd, he would have a heart attack. Mm. And this happened for, I think it was five straight years. Um, he think, had a, a think, massive heart attack and then he died. But you think, yeah. that's, uh, you think that's paranoia then at that point? Well, that it could be. I mean, it could be that, you know, he, he has one just coincidentally. It'd be a huge coincidence mm. uh, for the first one. But then from there, he just continues, you know, oh, well, this happened last year. This happened last year. I don't know, though. It's like, yeah, the mind I mean, does if it, if it happens twice, the third time, you you know, when that date comes around, you'd be thinking, oh, shit. This is... Yeah. <laughs> so I don't you, want another heart you could see yeah. it. You could see it, couldn't you? This is your belief system. Yeah. If you, if you think it's going to happen to you, it, it will. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. It's, it's... So is that that case done? Yeah, that's that case done. That's mm-hmm. what I've got. Like I said, a lot of it could just be... Um, could just be... Ooh mold and, and coincidence. Yeah, yeah. Some of it's just too much for me, man. But we go on our episode, we it's like an hour and ten, mm. hour and twenty minutes and we just go into to every single death, every single case. So mm. yeah, it's one of my favorite stories ever. Yeah. This is definitely black magic in action, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's not you know no mold or shit. It's, it's this is yeah. magic. Yeah. This is you know I've got uh, another Egyptian case and then there's another case here where, you know, this might be a belief system uh, as well. Mm. We'll do that one in a second. But this, have you heard of the unlucky mummy? The, <coughs> was it on the Titanic? Is that yeah, the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had heard of that. It came up in this, uh, in our research for that. Yeah. Yeah. See, a lot of people think this is uh, possibly just a story and then it got mixed in with the Titanic later on uh, because there's two guys that wrote you know, meant to have wrote this story, a William Thomas Steed and uh, a Murray Douglas, I think the other guy's name was. But um, the tale, if you like, and I mean, it's an interesting tale, so it's worth noting, even what, you know, because, you know, generally, you know, Kirsten yeah. is, is a belief system anyway, isn't it? So, um, but the tale starts way back in the 1980s, and it involves four English, uh, wealthy English uh, guys that go out to Egypt, you know, you know, they're put by, you know, basically snobs and they go out there, oh, let's, uh, what should we do for a hot, you know, and they're, oh, let's, uh, let's go to Egypt and dig up some shit. So they go out there, start digging around and that, and they pull up, um, the sarcophagus of, uh, it was later to be named as the priestess of Amun Ra. Um, mm. and she was found in Luxor, uh, and then there are banks in the Nile there. And this is meant to be the unlucky mummy. But, uh, you know, in true cursed mummy style, there's a little litany of disasters that comes the way of the finders and the people who take custody of the mummy. Mm-hmm. And so this uh, priestess of Amun Ra then, she was said to have lived, um, I think it was 1,500 BC, uh, so 1,500 years before Christ. And mm. so, you know, but she was buried in a, which is unusual, she was buried in a, a wooden ornate, coffin so you expect them to be like made of granite or some shit don't you normally but it yeah. was a wooden coffin mm. it looked pretty good and it had a face painting on it, all the usual shit so anyway when they found this obviously the four guys they they all wanted it you know because yeah, we found the treasure yeah so they they had to draw lots to decide who won and then the guy who won 
I thought it'd be come down to the, the one who had most of the money. You know? Well, it kind of did cash, because you know? uh, the guy who won. I've got more cash than uh, yeah. you, so sell off, like you know. He he paid a lot of money to have his coffin, you know, transported back to his hotel. But that same mm-hmm. night, he was last seen wandering out into the desert. He's never been seen again. So, oh, yeah, that, so he, he, he lost. Then. Yeah, he lost in a big way. He came right, to be okay. the first victim. Right, uh, okay. The next day, the second guy, and I don't know if this guy gets off any uh, better, but the second day, the second guy. Uh, had his arm accidentally shot off by an Egyptian servant. Well, it does happen. It, it, Holy it crap. Happen, yeah, yeah. yeah can happen. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly can. <laughs> uh, but at least it was an accident, you know. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah long as he apologised. Yeah, the know. third man, he returns, <laughs> home, he returns home to find that his bank is completely... Uh, debunked his his banks uh, whatever he's banking with absolutely collapsed overnight so he's lost right. his, his fortune has just gone there's no insurance in them days it's just gone and then the fourth man becomes uh, you know gets a severe illness which costs him his job uh, and his livelihood and he ends up and I didn't even know this was a job but he ends up forced uh, to make a living by selling matches on the street. Um, mm, wow. You know, it's, it's better than the big issue, isn't it? I don't, but, uh, <laughs> I don't think there's any big issues in them days, really, honestly, mate. Hello. But anyway, right, so yeah, go on. the coffin still manages to get back to England, right? Or, like all these artifacts do. Um, and some British, so, you know, this wealthy British guy, businessman, uh, sends the money over, he gets this sent back to him. Now, he puts it up, because as you do, you know what I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna buy a mummy in a, in a wooden box, you're gonna put it up on display in your house, aren't you? So he puts <laughs> it up, puts it up in his living room, as you do. And then, um, the following night, he comes down the next morning, about, you know, he, he probably didn't hear it, because he's like a, mm. about 17 rooms, you know, across, but he hears this ruckus, and he comes down, and he finds everything that was breakable in that room was broken. The mummy's still intact, you know, mm. stuff, but everything was broken. So obviously, he moves the mummy into a, an adjacent room just to clean up the mess or gets his servants to clean up the mess probably anyway the following night the second room that the mummy's in everything breaks so at this point um, he's thinking you know there could be something to this because obviously yeah. everybody knows about the cases so he's but he's you know he's hard headed and he thinks this you know it can't be a case so he's going to stick with the mummy until three family members uh, get injured in a car crash the same day and then his house catches fire and at that point he says uh, you know I'm I'm not I'm not happy you know, he's not happy yeah. I, can, I, can, I, can, I can I can live without this mummy now so he sends it <laughs> apparently he sends it to the British Museum at that point now. You think this is probably the story's finished here, okay? But it doesn't even finish there. They, they even transporting the mummy that something happens. So they get to the, the they pull those up on the truck. Two guys take it to the museum. They pull up in the museum courtyard, and for whatever reason, the truck goes into reverse and uh, reverses and crushes a passerby. You know. Oh crap! <laughs> yeah. So so that's another victim of the mummy. So they jump out. As, you know, obviously, you know, clean that up. And then um, they carry Quickly. the yeah, carry the coffin into the uh, museum and start to go up the stairs. And one of the guys trips um, and uh, breaks his leg. Obviously, uh, and the other guy a couple of days later he dies suddenly. Um, you know, probably heart attack or whatever. So the two guys that even trans you know transported the uh, thing uh, die. But you know, again. <laughs> so it gets on display, and this is my favourite bit of the story, really, because. It was put in the Egyptian room at the museum, okay? And the night watchman would say that he could often hear hammering from inside the coffin and sobbing. This mm-hmm. is in the middle, can you imagine this? In the middle of the night, you're the only person in the museum, you're walking around with your flashlight, and you can hear crying 
and banging coming from a coffin. Would you open you just it? don't deal with that. Oh, you just no. <laughs> I mean, even if you don't believe in curses and shit, I mean, that's going to no. creep you out, isn't it? I mean, yeah, that, yeah. you know, ghosts don't generally bother, no, bother no. me, but, but a few you know, them, but even I'd be a not, bit like, yeah. uh, well, you know. So anyway, so anyway, eventually the museum was struggling to get Night Watchmen because, you know, a lot of them, you know, understandably handed the fucking badge in the, 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 the torture <laughs> the next day. So they eventually moved this coffin into the basement of the museum. Uh, sorry, not the coffin. The muse- the, the the coffin they left intact upstairs, or the, or the lid anyway, because it was uh-huh. the lid was what was painted. This ornate painting on it and the gems and all that. They moved the mummy in, in down in the basement. So the mummy's down there in the basement, you know, and that should be safe now, shouldn't it? But obviously, the day they move it down, the guy who made the decision to move it down, he's found dead at his desk. And again, you know, it could be coincidence, but they're, right. adding, they're adding up, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a bit of a death count coming on. Yeah. Really, yeah. And um, yeah. by this time, a lot of people had spoke about this, so the papers got wind of it. So they send the photographer around, and this photographer takes a few pictures of this wooden box, uh, and he goes back home to develop them. Now, he's, he's said to have developed this photograph and seen a face looking back at him mm. uh, from the coffin. Uh, and obviously freaked him out that much that he managed to lock himself in the bedroom and blow his head off. Uh, so well, he, it can happen. Yeah, so he killed himself. Okay. Yeah. So um, at this point, the museum just want rid of this thing now. You know? So they, they sell it to the highest bidder, and this private collector buys it. But again, you know, this guy, as soon as he gets it back to his digs, Shit starts happening. You, you know what has happened in the first place. Uh, he put up with it for a few days, but you know eventually he, you know, tried to get a buyer for it. Couldn't find a buyer straight away, so he puts it in the attic. Anyway, it's a few years. It was up in the attic for a few years. Nothing really happened to these guys. But then this American archaeologist is said to have, um, you know, been one of these typical guys. Don't believe in curses. Uh, I want that mummy. So he buys the mummy and. He pays for it to be brought to uh, New York on the in April 1912. Okay, mm. um, and mm. then yeah, and then this is where we get the Titanic part of the story from, because one of the survivors of the Titanic um, reported to the New York Times, I think it was, that he'd been sitting at a dinner table the night the Titanic went down with a guy called William Thomas Steed, who. You know, people attribute this story to, uh, you know, the making up of this story. But this guy said he was sat with this guy, and this guy told him that he'd been warned not to travel on the Titanic by a psychic, a medium. And this guy was into, um, you know, spiritualism mm. and all that stuff. Uh, he, you know, I think he was a journalist by trade, but that, you know, he really, especially, he really loved the spiritual uh, mediumship and all that. And he spoke to this <laughs> medium. Medium. This medium was meant to be called Mister Penny. Told him, don't get on that ship because it's going to be cursed because it's it's containing it's tra- it's transporting this cursed mummy, and obviously William Thomas Steed had been asked to go to Carnegie Hall, I think it was, by the president to give this peace mm. uh, uh, speech. It was a big deal for him, so he couldn't really not go. But he gets on the ship. Here's he retires to his room. Here's the alarm, and he knows straight away. You know, bollocks! I dropped a you know I dropped a big in the air. I should have I should have listened to that psychic. But it's too late. Yeah, it's too late at that point. Right. And he knows it's too late. So what he does, he helps the women and children onto the lifeboat. 
Yeah, remember, he was a first class, the first class passenger. So yeah. he, you know, he had the lifeboat, but he, he didn't. He, he opted to, to help these people on the lifeboat. He even given his life jacket to someone. And then mm. the last people who saw him on the boat said that he retired back to the waiting area on the first class uh, waiting area and just sat down and read a book while the ship sank. Um, you know, it's like he almost, you know, at that point, he, you know, he's, uh, he knew After this, was, this was his fate, like, um, and obviously, it, then he but there's definitely accounts from this psychic. There's definitely reporters well, he, account. He, this yeah. guy said he was sat at the table, and this William Thomas D told him everybody sat at that table mm. during the, the eleven course meal or whatever it was. Um, you know, I was told not to come on this boat because there's mm. a case moving, and they all said, Bleh. but uh, apparently, um, you know, you know, he's he's saying it as a you know story, but yeah. you know, mm-hmm. but uh, later on, you get a guy called Charles Hass, I think his name was, who gets the manifesto. Uh, for the Titanic, and obviously it doesn't say there's a mummy. Um, well, there wouldn't be which, really. Which, They're not going to no, declare you, everything. I, I wouldn't have thought you would declare yeah. if you was taking basically, you know, something like that. Anyway, take through customs, you know. But like, then other you know. people do point out that the Titanic says the manifesto doesn't mention gold or diamonds or any mm. of that shit on there, and then people are pretty convinced that that shit was on there anyway. So again, you can't really read too much into that. But, mm. um, but that's the story of. The Titanic being shipped, being sunk by a mummy, but there was another ship actually in, uh, I think it was 1838, which was carrying the, uh, Mancor Sarcophagus, uh, which is from the little pyramid in, in, in Giza, and they, mm-hmm. it, uh, it sunk, uh, just off the coast of Spain again. Mm. So, you know, there's two ships there that have gone down. But again, if you're removing stuff from these, but, but again, you know, even saying that, you know, saying that out loud sounds stupid, you know, oh, you take these people, they, <laughs> you're gonna, you know, but, well, it's, I know, hear you, man. You, you, know, you just have to look at the evidence and say, it sounds stupid, up, it? that's where we are. But it's like the, um, you know, would you walk under a ladder? Not if someone was on it. You know what I mean? If there's a guy above me with bricks, you know what I mean? Yeah. On a ladder, I ain't walking under a ladder. If there's a ladder there and there's no one on it, then I'm walking under the ladder. You know, unless it's, you know, unless, you know, it's more convenient to walk around. I, I'm yeah. not bothered, you know, that sort of shit. A black cat was out of the scaffold. I used, to walk, bother me. I used to walk under. Yeah. Not a problem. You know. So, so that, you know, they're I'm more not walk away around, superstition than cases, so. but it's all tied together, isn't it? Yeah. But um, there were a guy called, and this is a case really where you get, you know, this, pe- this personal belief. Um, causing illness, uh, and you get this a lot in, you know, like uh, voodoo cultures, you know, like in Africa, uh, in uh, you know, other places around the world. But um, have you heard the case of a guy called Finnist Ernest? Mm, I haven't. No. Yeah. Well, this guy was a nightclub owner. Apparently, he was doing all right as well, but he was rushed into hospital in Oklahoma City, suffering from severe uh, attack of asthma. And obviously they sorted him out and he was discharged, but he'd be back within six months suffering from convulsions. Uh, but again, the doctors, you know, in this case, he was brought in suffering from convulsions, but the doctors couldn't find anything medically wrong with him that would cause these convulsions. And he seemingly, you know, made a full recovery. Again, he was discharged, but within two days he was stretched back to the hospital, gasping for air and near to death. Mm. Once more, he recovered, but by now the suf- he was suffering from deep depression, right? <laughs> Which is understandable, Ooh, I guess. You know what I mean? But mystified by his patient's condition, one of the doctors at the hospital, a Mister James Mathis, 
started questioning Ernest, and he soon realised that realised that the life threatening threatening illnesses occurred immediately after the alien man visited his mother. Okay, so you know maybe she was just a shit cook, you know. <laughs> I don't know. You know. Yeah. So anyway, so he, every time he goes around yeah. to his mum's, he, he gets ill. So the doctor says to him, "Look," he says, "You got to agree." I'm going to discharge you, but you've got to agree that you won't go around to your mums anymore. So every time he was going to mothers, he was, he was getting poorly. He was getting poorly. Right, so okay. the doctor fucking twigged here. There's, there's a connection right. here. Yeah. So he agreed not to go to his mother. Uh, and anyway, shortly after leaving hospital, he was found gasping for breath. Half an hour later, he was dead. Right? <laughs> Determined to, the investigation, determined to investigate the mysterious death further, Dr. Mathis recovered the dead man's... Uh, Sorry, discovered that the dead man's father had died when Ernest was in his teens, leaving the young boy to the mercy of his domineering mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, so it says that she, his mother, Mrs. Ernest, used you know, had a lot of control and influence over her son. And this is where it really comes into thing, because she controlled every aspect of his life, including his nightclub business. Mm. Right? Mm. And she was even a partner in it. But the problem was that Ernest had decided to sell the nightclub, and his mother didn't like this. And so she told him, "Look, if you if you sell this nightclub, right, then um, she said she warned him that something dire will happen to you. And again, this could be this coming to his not pace. much of a mother. Though. Well, not much of a mother, but you know. <laughs> and is, is there any wonder why you wanted to cut around the business? Because <laughs> yeah. he said to her, "It's what you meant to have told her on the phone just before he died." And again, remember the doctor said, don't go around. So he didn't go around, but he, he yeah. the doctor forgot to tell him not to ring her as well, yeah. which was a big mistake. But he, he he rings her and he says to her, look, he says, uh, I've sold the nightclub. It's gone. Mm. And he said, I'm reinvesting the money in another project and you're not going to be a partner this mm. time. And uh, like I say, next thing, he was uh, he was dead. So, um, mm. you know, is this a case of a hex or is it a case of you know, the mother putting that much negative, you know, into it. Him, that, I mean, is that pressure for him, for him to he just died of a heart attack or are we saying this is definitely black magic? You know, it's one or the other, you know. Yeah. Uh, I would have thought this guy, obviously, he was bored of the night the night scene, nightclub scene, what he did with the project. His mother said, you know, no, don't want that. Uh-huh. If you do it to uh, me... Not much of a mother, though. <laughs> just say, oh, you know, you do that, and you, you know, I make sure you're next day you're dead. No, no, no. no. Well, science says that. Well, I don't believe in science. Well, shite. I mean, I, mean <laughs> I don't. I don't believe most of it's lies and bullshit. You know that. Way. You know my uh, views, mate. Well, I, I know what science doesn't look into, but, but yeah, but the, the, the science apparently has looked into this, and it says that. It, this can uh, be this death hex could be um, imp- obviously implanted into the victims, cause panic, uh, result in overstimulation of the adrenaline system. Okay, so this makes you really hyper and you know, oh shit. But mm. as the victim begins to give up hope, a reverse reaction occurs: the heartbeat and breathing slow down, blood pressure drops dramatically, and death quickly follows. Now, obviously, you're going to shock at that point, and that's what kills you. Um, so. You know, does that, is that does that that sound logic to you? Really? Yeah, I think people can wet themselves up into a state. Yeah, you get stressed out. Yeah. Hey, absolutely. I'm not saying you you, you can't know, get stressed and you can get healthy and stressed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Shit, you know. Yeah, but you know, um, 
Well, we talk about these curses. I mean, it's more. Than I mean, the mind has a, a lot of power. The mind has Absolutely. a lot of power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the mind can cure. Cancers and all sorts of shit, allegedly. So. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you can have, you can have, you can. Have, I mean, you can actually have a, a black magician. I mean, I've, we've talked. I've talked yeah, before. I don't, where, no, I uh, this, this black magician goes out and uh, um, he goes out to kill somebody. So he sends out this uh, uh, black magic or curse to somebody. But this person uh, prior uh, knows what this black magician is going to do. Exactly, but that's what I'm saying. It's so in, it's actually, in his he mind. puts yeah. yeah. So yeah. absolutely, he knows it. Yeah. Like tonight, yeah. this black magician is going to sit in there and he's going to throw me a. a, a yeah. you know. No one ever dies, and then somebody turns up and says, "Oh, I think a black magician did this." You know mm. what I mean? The, the no. person has to know, otherwise it doesn't work. So yeah. So that, that point, this guy know. knew that this uh, black magician was going to uh, want to kill him. I was going to send him a. a a hex or case or whatever to, mm. to kill him. So this other priest told him what to do. You know, told him how to sit and, you know, mantra or whatever and do this certain, uh, hand signs or whatever. Mm. Uh, and it, um, I, I'm only going through what story what I heard, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, anyway, it's the next morning, the black magician was found dead. Apparently when he sent this black, this, this evil eye, whatever, when it, 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 it couldn't get to his person. Where'd it, where'd it have to go back? It had to go back to the sender. Mm. And it killed him. Is that why Elvis wrote Return to Sender? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> not Sender, was it? Because he was into all this shit, wasn't he? I mean, same again, a healer. You know, you can send uh, somebody's poorly, somebody's uh, needs healing. You, you send that. It, mm. it, that won't kill you. That uh-huh. can, hopefully, that will heal you. Mm. You know, that will... But it's black and white magic. Yeah. So, you know? Like, yeah, that's um, thing. I mean, you hear about... I, growing up, like I grew up in a very religious household and I still am religious in my own ways. We just did one on demon possession about, mm. uh, a father that cursed his daughter and all of that. It was freaking terrible. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you you know. hear like, you're told like, don't mess with this stuff. Don't look at it. Don't touch it. Don't, don't say these incantations even mm. as a joke. Mm. And you know, that, that, point you just made about the evil eye coming back for you i mean i've never thought about it that way but mm. that is that's a prime example of why you shouldn't really mess around with black magic yeah because you give me a reason not to that is yeah so it's just and the day it's magic it's you yeah know, incantation invocation energy you know, energy mm. yeah it doesn't yeah. it doesn't yeah it's exactly the same white magic black magic gray magic whatever it's still the same energy mm. but yeah. it's the intent of, yeah. on how you want to use it you know you can you can uh, send mag- you can send this energy out to kill somebody, or you can send it out to heal oh, the world, God. whatever you want. Like you know, uh, prayer healing's been proven as well. So yeah. Um, <clears throat> so curses, then you know, if we had to say, I don't know what the scale. I don't know if we should do a, a ten or maybe just a yes, no, or maybe. Mm. Um, you know, if someone said to you, right, and um, this is to everybody, right. If someone says to you, I've just found a pyramid, it's untouched, right? It's buried, it's been buried under the desert for a thing. But there's a curse on the door and it, and uh, no one wants to go in. I'll pay you a million dollars or a million pounds to go in there and remove that artifact. Are you doing it? Yeah, my first question would be, <laughs> sorry, my first question would be, why aren't you doing it? Why are you letting me go to the door? And you're paying, you're because, paying me a million yeah, quid because I've read the hieroglyphs. You know, and it's they, like some flag of Brian, like you know. I've you read know. the hieroglyphics, and they say 
whoever enters is going to be killed. So, so would you, so would this you, guy is, is right at the back of the queue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? But would yeah. you do it? No. 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 Sam? No. I, uh, man, for me, like, curses are, are, they, they happen, especially when I was looking at King Tut, they happen because of, like, disrespect. They, mm. they happen, you know, if you think of the curse as, like, a latent thing, something that's there. I mean, hundreds of people have gone in and out of Tut's tomb and not had anything happen. It's the people who disrespected it. Yeah, but this is removing an item. Yeah, uh, yeah, again, that's, yeah, uh, yeah. So That's not, would you yeah, remove an item? If someone says a million pounds, a million dollars, well, actually, you'd probably want a million pounds. It's a bit more. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. so it's a million, million pounds then to uh, to take this object. You know, they break the seal, go in there, take the object. So you, yeah, it's not going to be the first geezer yeah, in yeah. here. Yeah. 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 Well, well, that's but I know Jason, Jason, my co-host, would. So I'll, uh, I'll just have him yeah. do it. As long as he went in with a, uh, you know, a mask. Yeah, 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 breathing operators. Yeah. Um, no, I wouldn't do it. Me, I'm doing it, but like you, I, I'm probably taking in an offering. You know, I'm probably going to take yeah. in a chocolate bar or something, <laughs> and say, <laughs> or, or, or create a beer. You know, oh, I mean, well, come on, what, what more do I want? Well, don't I'll take that. Not going to drink it either. You know. Yeah, it's... well, they don't know. I'll take that to the afterlife, and they can have that, and I'll have the the gold statue. Oh, I'm doing it though. If, if someone gives me a million pounds to do anything, well, I'd within, be dubious because reason, I'd be saying, "Why, it. why are you paying, paying me a million pound when you can do it yourself?" Because, I, because I told you that, that it says on the door, "Don't, don't do it." Well, <laughs> I won't do it. No, but it's the no. same like when you're a kid, isn't it? And so if he says, goes in, like then, there's a, I don't know, yeah. like a, a you know, haunted house or some shit, and you know everybody dares you to go in. I mean, eventually, I, I go in a haunted house, yeah. not a problem, not a problem. But, at all. Well, it's the same principle, though, isn't it? Eventually, no, 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 no. somebody this does it. Don't they? You, you're actually on a sacred ground here. You're actually on a, you know, as, as we've been talking before, you're actually on a, you know, uh, sacrificial land here. You should be there, mm. you know, and you're. Actually, you're stealing from that place, aren't you? Yeah. You don't know. You don't know what energy. Well, no, you're I'm, I'm swapping. Uh, I think a, a gold statue, right, is completely <laughs> different to a case of lager. You still you know, can't take yeah, it. Or, or a chocolate bath. <laughs> yeah. Activated pepper something. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> you still you know. can't take it with you, though. Come on. No, no, no. But I don't think they'll see it as that. Honestly, I don't think they'll. Uh, mind you, I don't know. But no, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't do it. No. no. Well, that's the. Uh, that's cases then. Yeah. What more can you say? Yeah. <laughs> All we can say is uh, thank you very much to Sam for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Yeah, my Been pleasure. A blast, mate. Fun. And um, obviously, if you want to tell people where they can find you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so me, so I'm one of the two hosts of Not Alone. My other host, Jason, couldn't be here today. Um, but yeah, you can find us pretty much anywhere. You can find Don't Break the Oath. I'm pretty sure we're everywhere. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, podcast addict. Well, cool. Hey, thanks for having us or having me on, guys. I, it was a lot of fun. Hell of a good time. Yeah, no problem. See you again. <laughs> Cheers, sir. Yeah. Take it easy, mate. <laughs> you too. <laughs>